On this episode, we have Dr. Graham Erickson, who is an expert in the field of sports vision training. He is currently a professor at Pacific University, and he is the author of the book Sports Vision, Vision Care for the Enhancement of Sports Performance. We're excited to have him on the show. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Dynamic Duo Podcast, recording from Naperville, Illinois. As developmental optometrists, we feature like-minded professionals as guests in an effort to promote awareness and collaboration. Now, here are your hosts, Drs. Lindsay Stoll and Ryan Edwards. I want to welcome Dr. Graham Erickson and if you would just start out by introducing yourself and giving us a little background and, and mention that you do teach at Oregon or Oregon or however you say that. <laughs> yes, it is Oregon. Um, yes, that's how we tell if you're from around the area or not. Um, but I got started um, really doing regular vision therapy, working with children, adults with neurological uh, disorders that affect vision and sports vision. Um, I, I guess I sort of came into it because I, I do think it kind of starts with having a passion for sport and and recreation and wanting to be able to help patients that might want to improve that part of their their life um, and understanding what I did about how to improve vision function in either children with developmental delays or adults with neurological disorders and being able to take some of those uh, foundational concepts and apply it to uh, athletes who don't have vision problems or conditions but want to enhance vision function was a pretty compelling concept and uh and opportunities came my way, and and as I interact with those athletes and patients, I learned a lot. I learned a lot from other optometrists who are also uh, working in that area, and that just sort of everything sort of grows from there. And uh, that collective knowledge, hopefully, we pass along, and the profession grows, and the public benefits from that. I love that phrase. The collective knowledge grows, and we pass that on, and we continue to expand expand the knowledge overall. As far as the, kind of a definition, people use the term sports vision training um, kind of loosely, but what would you say is your definition or what defines that um, statement? Well, when we when I use the that sort of term, sports vision training, what I think of is working on vision factors that are important to performance in a sport or a part of a sport. Um, And when I think of sports vision training, I'm not thinking about trying to fix a problem with the visual system, but rather to enhance uh, already good or even better than normal vision function to get it to an optimal performance level. Just like you know, I use the analogy with physical training. You know, when you do the physical part of training for strength or endurance or speed, you uh, you work to optimize that, and that work doesn't stop. Right? It's when you reach a really good level of conditioning, there, 
you don't stop. You continue to condition because you're always seeking that top level. And that's the way I think of sports vision training is what are you doing to optimize those vision functions that are critically important to your performance in the sport? When looking at an athlete for the first time, what kinds of functional visual skills do you find are the most important to look at? Are there things like eye-hand coordination, um, reaction time? What would be some examples of your testing? Well, I kind of start with the foundation, which is how clearly the athlete sees what we call visual acuity, uh, contrast sensitivity, since most athletes uh, don't perform in ideal visual conditions at all times. And also the objects that are being viewed are often in motion. And so contrast sensitivity is a very critical foundational element for being able to see what they need to see. And then the third piece of that foundation is depth perception and um, being able to make those critical depth judgments for performance. I look at that as the foundation. And I think what's curious is even if you talk to a lot of eye care professionals, whether they're optometrists or ophthalmologists, they often don't think of especially things like visual acuity and contrast sensitivity as being a trainable function. Uh, we look at that as, you know, are we getting the best prescription on a patient to be able to see clearly? But there is a wealth of research evidence that those are very trainable functions and that we can improve how clearly you see uh, those critical details for success. And so that, when I think of the elements, those are the core beginning functions are the clarity of eyesight, especially under contrast challenging conditions and the depth perception and from that we can layer on things like you were mentioning eye-hand coordination or reaction times uh, how much information you can process in a given uh, glance if you will what we call that perception span how much information can I process quickly to make good judgments and you know, any other functions, whether it's peripheral awareness, peripheral reaction response, eye foot reaction response. Uh, another function we work with is called multiple object tracking because in team sport conditions, you have to be able to monitor multiple teammates and opponents simultaneously, which is, again, a trainable function. So a whole variety of different functions that we can analyze and then develop training to try to enhance. Awesome. Yeah, that's all really good information. Another thing that Lindsay and I have found and we look at is bilateral integration. So we're interested to see if athletes can move large muscle groups, such as their arms or legs, in a coordinated manner and think at the same time. With that foundation, you're able to move your fine motor groups, such as your eyes. And we want you to be able to move your eyes and think at the same time and process information visually, especially on the field or on the court. As an aside, too, we have looked at resting eye posture or foria, which is where your eyes start when, essentially, when you close your eyes, if it's pointed in, if they're pointed in towards your nose or away, sometimes that can be influential in visual anticipation and, uh, you know, potentially depth reception uh, overall. I think like you were saying, it's important to have a strong foundation with some of the basic skills. So even before you work on the higher level skills like reaction time or even 
Um, some of the eye-hand coordination skills, if you don't have a strong foundation, you won't be able to reach your full potential on in the training program. And all, the, all these skills are things that you can develop and improve upon, which some people aren't even aware of. Right, and I look at those, when I think of it as a foundational skill, part of that is that if those functions are compromised, um, whether it's uh, how clearly you see or your depth perception or your resting posture, if those are compromised, it affects every other facet that you want to assess because that will affect even something as simple as reaction time is affected by decrements and those functions. Awesome. That is great. Uh, would you say in general that every sport could benefit from sports vision training or are there specific sports that tend to gravitate towards vision training or they're, I would imagine it's somewhat country dependent, uh, but would you say there's kind of a, you know, a, a, the top couple that most tend to benefit uh, from vision training? It is, and it's certainly regional, um, but o- overall, certainly baseball, I would say, has embraced this more than probably any other sport I've worked with because I think they get it. I mean, batting is an extremely challenging task and how clearly you see and your depth perception. uh, There was a recent uh, study published in the Journal of Sports Science that looked at um, data from hundreds of baseball players at the high school level, collegiate level, professional level, and the two most critical functions that related to batting performance was how clearly they see visual acuity and depth perception, which you would expect. The better you can read that pitch and make the judgment on the speed of the pitch, the more likely you will be able to make the right decision at the plate. And um, and so that's where these are you know really critical functions that make baseball really a sport that that understands it certainly ice hockey because it is a fast moving sport where you are trying to process multiple uh, pieces of information simultaneously that is another sport that i think has uh, although you know hockey sometimes is a very old school kind of sport they are certainly more embracing uh, a wider perspective on how they can improve performance. Um, Certainly soccer. Again, I run into a lot of sort of old school thinking in soccer. Uh, You know, they'll suggest that the ball is rather large, so it's not that that challenging to see. But if you point out that reading the spin on the ball and the trajectory of that ball, that is critical to making the right decision. And that is a very discriminating contrast sensitivity, visual acuity, and depth perception function. So I think those are three big sports, obviously, um, but plenty of other sports that um, have gained in popularity like lacrosse. Um, I work with a number of lacrosse athletes. Certainly the shooting sports are, um, are very critical with uh, vision function because they realize how important it is to their success. So true, yes. So true, vision leads motor. If you can't see and react and make good judgments you can't can't play up to your full potential uh, kind of as an aside i read a study a while back it has been some time since i read this study but talked about professional baseball players and what their actual visual acuity is is it heightened more or are the baseball players have better visual acuity than your average person 
Right. And I, you know, my, my kind of message there is 2020 is average vision. That's what 2020 is. It's not perfect vision. Perfect vision is somewhere around 20 over eight. And in professional baseball, at least one major study that was published found the average acuity to be around 20 over 13. So if you were actually 2020, you were a standard deviation below the average. You were, there was probably 85% of baseball players had better vision than you did. And what that allows you to do is to read the pitch at a further distance away from you better. So you have more time to make the right decision at the plate. So probably most people think 2020 think they have, you know, adequate vision, but you're saying that um, most athletes actually would hope for better than 2020. And actually just out of curiosity, do you tend to use the standard Snellen chart in your office that everybody is familiar with? Well, I, I use a automated system that, measures vision down to 20 over eight so that we can determine not only what level the athlete may be now, but with any sort of training, whether we've been able to move the needle in terms of that performance to a higher level of ability. So my chart system goes down to 20 over eight. So Ryan and I have been fortunate to work with um, some baseball and softball teams and, and just working with them, we're trying to find things that we can measure from the start that we would be able to look at later to compare Um, changes. And you mentioned things like visual acuity, depth perception. Um, What other tests do you feel are important to have as kind of baseline when working with athletes or um, a whole team? Yeah. So again, it starts with a foundation, visual acuity, contrast sensitivity, depth perception. um, And along with that is the refraction. So we can determine what the optimal prescription might be if that athlete would benefit from a prescription. And, uh, and we want to deliver that first, and then we want to reassess again or a new prescription to an athlete. And then we look more at function, uh, near-far focusing speed, how quickly they can shift focus between near and far distances. We look at the dynamic visual acuity, so um, either being able to judge um, description objects that are in motion or being able to make a rapid eye movement and how quickly they can discriminate something that is discrete. Um, I actually find that to be a more useful metric because in a lot of sports, you make a quick eye movement and how rapidly can I process that detail information I need to see. And then we move more to uh, things like the multiple object tracking and perception span, how much um, spatial information can you process in a brief exposure. And then from there, we move more to the motor side of it. So central eye hand and eye foot reaction response speeds, and then peripheral eye hand reaction response um, kind of metrics with decision making and without decision making. Right. And the idea is all those kind of pieces have to come together in a natural context of a sport. And what we're doing is trying to isolate those individual functions and measure them so we can kind of then go back and put that picture together again at the end. Once again, I just want to remind our listeners that we're speaking with Dr. Graham Erickson, who is very much a professional in the world of sports vision training. And one of the topics that we've discussed is for you or resting eye posture. Uh, and Dr. Erickson, in your opinion, 
Would you say that resting eye posture is important when looking at a visual skill? Yeah, the resting posture can have an impact on depth perception, which is really the outcome process that we're most interested in, but it's the foundational element. So we certainly look at that, and one of the things as, as eye care professionals, we are, are trained to test that in a straight-ahead viewing condition um, because that's the sort of natural balance for eye muscles. But in sport, often your eyes are not in straight-ahead position, and there are often critical gaze directions, uh, especially batting, if you think of that. If I'm a right-handed batter, that left gaze position is going to be really important for me. So you need to not just check that resting posture and straight ahead, but in that batting posture as well. And we'll also check depth perception in those critical gaze positions. Or if they play volleyball, right, we would be interested in up gaze positions uh, in addition to that straight ahead viewing environment. Yes, isolating those skills that you use most regularly and improving upon them and not only those visual skills in specific gazes such as straight ahead but you know vertically or to your left or to your right uh, because the the world of sports very few things happen straight ahead right and the other challenge for us as eye care professionals is to try and measure those functions in either the most natural viewing conditions or at least conditions that simulate the demands that we would encounter in in the sport environment. Um, and that's a challenge because we're in usually an office setting. And to get that proper simulation can be somewhat of a challenge. But I think it pays off in terms of better information to be able to help an athlete if we do that. I think as Ryan and I are continuing to work on our sports training programs, try to keep in mind that we are working on visual skills. So we're certainly not there to coach the athlete on how to change this, the way that they're playing their sport, but more so to take the skills that they use in that sport and make them more efficient. Um, another area that we've heard of in the sports training um, kind of area is visualization. Would you say that's something that plays a role in your uh, sports training? Well, I mean, I would start with the you know the sort of observation that most uh, high-level competitive athletes that I've worked with over the thirty years I've been doing this have do some level of visualization to prepare for competition, and so for them, I think it's for I guess competitive athletes it's an integral part of their preparation. How much I do in that really depends on on how much the athlete wants to complement what they're already doing and who else is already working with that athlete in that capacity. Because I think most of the sports psychologists that also work with athletes at a you know higher level, they tend to do a lot of that type of work. And and I'm I try to be conscientious to not overlap too much in another professional uh, professional territory. That while certainly I I have some um, I guess advice I can provide in that arena. Uh, that's not the central part of what I do in terms of working with athletes, but certainly it complements really well what we do in terms of sports vision training. 
And a lot of sports vision training involves those cognitive functions of awareness of what you're doing visually and how to optimize that. And that does tie in really well with visualization training. So I, I, you know, I guess after a long winded response, I guess I think it, they complement each other really well, sports vision training and uh, more visualization type approaches to preparation for competition. Visualization is important, obviously, and I think that it would be hard sometimes to convey that message or even try to explain what it is to some extent. And a lot of people may not even think about it per se, but if you can make them or or appreciate what that can do and and, uh, visualize success and visualize them in certain situations and be mindful of that, uh, it can be a very powerful tool. Yeah, I think athletes see uh, their sport differently once we start working on visual factors because they will come back and say, you know what, I'm starting to see this now and I I never noticed that before. And that's where we get into that cognitive awareness side of it. And, and certainly in the younger emerging athletes who aren't working with sports psychologists yet, they certainly benefit from incorporating elements of visualization into their training program. Yes, for sure. One thing we want to reiterate is just how important it is to have a visual examination to measure visual acuity or the way that you see. Uh, When Lindsay and I have been working with athletes, we have found it somewhat surprising that there are a fair amount of people that have not had an eye exam and they're not even sure, you know, where they see or if they see 20-20. And there's another kind of group that we've seen where they have had an eye exam and for whatever reason when they come to practice or come to vision training, they're not wearing their correction. You know, they either forgot their contacts or their glasses. And I think it's important for the listeners or everybody else is listening to this to understand that how much of a deficit they have if they are unable to see clearly. And especially if it's something relatively easy as putting your contacts in in the morning or putting your glasses in. Absolutely. And we see that at every level, uh, whether we're talking collegiate athletes, professional athletes, Olympic athletes, 30 to 40% of those athletes have never had a comprehensive eye examination in their life. And it, it really is that these, especially at the professional level where they're investing millions of dollars into these athletes and something as simple as a, an eye examination has never been performed is kind of astounding. Right. I think it's an assumption that if there was a problem with vision, you would seek out an eye examination. So, you know, unless there's a problem that the athlete is aware of, why do they need an eye examination? And they may not even realize that their normal is a deficit and they haven't even, you know, realized how far behind they are. They've just been able to compensate up until this point. They don't know kind of what they're not seeing. Right. And some of the, the most competitive athletes I've worked with actually kind of want me to find areas where they can improve because that's one more part of their game that they can elevate, that they have not had attention to up to this point. So, you know, that's a different mindset, right? <laughs> which is let's, let's look really critically and find areas where I can continue to improve. Would you say, um, do you know if there's been any kind of research done on maybe those that have participated in sports training um, that maybe that 
kind of lowers their chance as far as injuries or even concussions now that their visual skills have been enhanced? Well, it is something that has come up uh, frequently, and, and certainly it makes logical sense that the better you see your sport, the more likely you are to avoid situations that might you know, be harmful or cause injury. And there have been, there has been at least one study with collegiate players, um, and actually they looked at football concussion incidents uh, in the years preceding the the start of a training program with the football team, and then for four years after they implemented sports vision training for the players on the collegiate football team. And they found a significant reduction in concussion incidents. And that was at the same period of time when concussion was being more identified than it had been previously. So it was an even more powerful effect to see the concussion incidents cut in half, even while concussion was being identified more readily than it had been previously. Um, so there is some evidence out there. I would kind of put it in that, well, it's preliminary and we certainly need more evidence to support that. But I also think there's a logical connection between seeing your sport better and being able to avoid situations that might cause injury. Yes, I'd say it definitely makes logical sense that if your visual skills are more aware that it potentially would be easier to avoid a hazardous situation, even though, as we all know, fluke things still happen and there are accidents that do happen and some things are unavoidable. But in the general, you know, average, if your visual skills are heightened, you would think that you have a better chance to avoid uh, a potential collision. Absolutely. Uh, the other thing that we wanted to mention is you know, we've come across professionals that do sports vision training who aren't necessarily optometrists. And, and our goal is, you know, if it's improving or helping athletes perform better and they're enjoying it and they're getting benefit, you know, that's, that's obviously the ultimate goal. But we were just interested if you would kind of give us your thoughts on what a visual uh, eye care professional could provide that maybe, you know, kind of the general person, uh, you know, wouldn't. Or if somebody were just going to go out and buy, buy a certain tool and, and, and use that, like fit lights, um, and, and, you know, how, how an eye care professional would be different in application and approach. Yeah, I, I would say there's two things to keep in mind. Um, the first is, uh, I'll use the example of depth perception. If I have an athlete and, I, I'm wor and they have maybe not as good depth perception as they should for, for their sport and we want to enhance that, knowing why that depth perception is compromised is a big part of developing an effective intervention strategy to improve that. And so, if, in other words, if, if I am uh, just a trainer or a strength and conditioning coach and I'm trying to integrate this stuff into what I'm doing with my athlete and I don't have an eye care professional to help me, I really don't know why this athlete has reduced depth perception. I just know that they do. And that training that I'm implementing may be effective or it may not be effective. It depends on why the depth perception is compromised in that athlete. So I think that's that's kind of the first 
factor to consider is that the eye care professional is in a better position to determine some of the causative factors rather than just identifying areas that are subpar in terms of performance, but might be able to tease out the why. And understanding the why helps get you a better path for success than just kind of approaching it in a generic sense. And then the other side that I think having an eye care professional is helpful for is that it's really easy to just say everybody would benefit from doing, like you said, something like FitLight. Um, but maybe FitLight is an area that personally I would have minimal benefit from because I'm already really good at that. And there may be other areas that I would benefit more from training than that FitLight application. So giving, um, getting that sort of eye care professional's assessment of all the vision functions and identifying where the highest yield areas are for that athlete is critically important to having a training approach that is going to have the highest impact for the athlete versus just a generic training, which, as you say, will have benefits but maybe more limited benefits than having a very targeted program. Yes, and in the same sense, if there's a visual weakness, we don't want to embed that with the certain activities or procedures we do. We don't want them to continue to get in a bad habit visually or see things like they do when it's not as efficient. So we don't want to you know, promote or put them in situations that would promote that uh, negative, I guess, uh, visual skill. Right. And I use the analogy of the batting cage in baseball or softball, um, you know, just putting the athlete in the batting cage and counting how many pitches they take from the batting machine. That's going to have some benefit. And nobody would deny that, that more experience in the batting cage is going to have some benefit. But if you combine that with really effective coaching, you significantly amplify the training effect of the batting cage. And that's the way I look at sports vision training. So as eye care professionals, that's where we can use certain tests to gather data. And even if we have others carry out um, the vision training, we have at least kind of information that we can pinpoint kind of where the, the athlete may have some deficits um, and focus on those areas to get the most benefit out of that. Um, another thing we usually try to incorporate would be any helpful resources, um, whether that's books or websites. Are there any things, any things that you would recommend um, either for athletes or other professionals um, in the area of sports vision training? Well, it's it's challenging, I think, because we you know, we there are books that are geared toward the professional audience so i care professionals and i think it's it's more challenging for the you know the average reader to get uh, significant benefit from from reading professional literature and then some of the uh, books that are more written for the general public sometimes lack the specificity, I would say, that, that is needed to understand. So I do think it is challenging. Um, I don't really, to be honest, have a list of resources that I give people. I, I probably should develop that. Um, I, I guess I just rely on um, giving the message personally and um, I, I have a wealth of literature that I can always pass along for those that are interested in following up on anything specific. Um, 
I think it would be hard to have a book with too many specifics just because every person is different. They have different visual abilities and deficits. And so even if you have a two athletes that maybe are even playing the same position, there'd probably be different visual skills that you'd want to focus on. So um, there's not really a kind of a cookbook way that you can um, put together a sports vision training, which is um, kind of a challenging part, but also makes it a little more interesting. And that's kind of emphasizes why it's important to find an eye care professional, someone experienced in vision training that you can trust, who can work with you to get a, a specialized and individualized uh, tra- tra- uh, plan or t- uh, treatment plan or plan of action uh, overall. The book that you wrote, you know, is very beneficial. It, it seems to be more geared towards uh, eye care professionals. You know, the, the kind of the routine or standard athlete may be able to gain some benefit from it, but I feel like that was, you know, that book is much more geared towards professionals and beneficial to them. Absolutely. I wrote it for eye care professionals and I, I do agree. I don't, I don't know that an average reader would, would be able to get as much out of it because they don't have the foundation to understand uh, a lot of where, the direction is going in terms of the content of the book, um, but you know, but that's that's why we have eye care professionals, right? <laughs> I want to end on one kind of final question, which the answer may be obvious, but in your opinion, is there any other advantage to doing sports vision training? Is there any other carryover into other aspects of life, whether it be school or or work, or even some of the younger individuals they see? They're at the driving age, and they're just getting ready to drive and trying to learn how to how to manage and drive a car. Uh, so, is there any carryover, in your opinion, uh, to other skills? Absolutely. I mean, I, it, we're working on found we're working on vision function, and we're just looking at it in a very specific application, which is whatever that sport context is. But certainly, that uh, just like sports in general, I think benefit you in daily life beyond just, you know, whatever you get out of the sport, it helps you with vision function and performance in daily life. And you, you mentioned driving is an obvious one that I think of driving like a sport. It's, you know, it's very visually challenging, uh, especially to a new driver to be able to process everything that's going on and the better foundation that you have even training as an athlete, I think the easier it is for you to um, to make that transition as a driver. And the other place I really um, think there is benefit is in the aging population. As, as we age and we begin to lose some of our visual function due to natural age-related changes, some of these trainings have, I think, a, a strong potential to help you maintain vitality as you uh, are going through that aging process. And that's great. That's one thing probably uh, Lindsay and I did not ever consider uh, doing vision training with uh, the aging population uh, overall. So good insight. Truly, Dr. Erickson, I want to thank you for your time and your expert uh, advice and just kind of visiting with us. Uh, it's, it's very obvious that you've been around the block, so to speak, and you've seen a lot of things, and we just appreciate you taking the time and sharing with us and our listeners, and we hope that's a benefit for everybody, which uh, which we know it will be. So thank you again. It's my pleasure. I hope it's uh, helpful for everyone. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Dynamic Duo Podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn, or by visiting our website, dynamicvisiontherapy.com, and clicking on the Dynamic Duo podcast link. 
Thanks for listening.